A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So 2021 is just full of surprises. I mean, we are in December and I'm still going, <laughs> I never saw it coming. So I know I've said it before, but I am not too proud to say it again. Farmer Brock Lesnar in his overall dungarees may very well be the best version of Brock Lesnar ever. You go through those history books, we had a lot of versions. That sounded like virgins. I said versions. Versions. Don't come at me in the comments. Hello, my name is Simon Miller. Welcome to yet another episode of Ups and Downs. And today we shall focus on the Friday night spectacle known as Smackerdown. When we give a good person up and we give the bad person down. Also, please remember that as you are on What Culture Wrestling, go and watch Who Wants to Be a Kayfabe Millionaire with me and Phil, not me, <coughs> with flipping marks. I think it's very entertaining. Paul Heyman was waiting for Roman Reigns outside the arena when SmackDown started because Roman hadn't turned up to work yet, so he's not a very good employee. And Pat McAfee also told us, well, I have it on good authority, that Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns haven't spoken all week. And I'm like, you've got sources, and that's what you went to find out? I think you could come up with a better use of your time. I then sat there waiting for the opening show promo because of course it is WWE, but then flubbed me sideways. We had a tag team match and not only did we have a tag team match, it was Charlotte Flair teaming up with Shotzi and where the hell has she been? Taking on Sasha Banks and Tony Storm. I was very, very pleased. Up. And I only did this get a load of time, but there was so much going on here. For one, we know where all the hate lies when it comes to these individual feuds. And also on commentary, Michael Cole told us, well, I'll tell you why Charlotte got disqualified last week, because Tony Storm frustrated her so much she wasn't able to handle it anymore. I was like, yeah, sure, Michael. That's like telling someone, sorry I ate your donut, but it willed itself into my mouth. We also kicked off with Tony versus Shotzi, so I was doing backflips. I was like, oh my gosh, it feels so fresh, and my word, and my desperate professionals right now. But of course, they soon tagged out, and then you got Sasha Banks versus Charlotte Flair, and no matter what you think about them individually, they are terrific wrestlers. They have a history of great feuds, and this rocked. Sasha Banks got hurled into Barry Barricade before long, and there's a very good chance we're going to have to do a barricade counter in 2022 when she did eventually get the lukewarm tag to Tony Storm. And for like one minute, she was running wild. 
but then she got cut off and absolutely murked. What's more important than that, though, is that after this beating, she got the proper hot tag to Sasha Banks, but then Tony got back in there and she hit this flying crossbody on Charlotte Flair that got such a good near two, the fans lost their minds. And I won't lie, so did I. I thought it was the finish. And now I'm going to put my nerd glasses on because that should have been the finish. Because seconds later, Charlotte Flair got back to her feet and she went to the top rope. She went to do her moonsault. Tony Storm got her knees up. And then she hit the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. And to be fair, she did get the win. And that is great. A victory. Wahoo, wahey. But WWE always presents the most devastating move in all sports entertainment as somewhat of a fluke. And also, if you've been watching as long as we have, we just know next week when they have their title match, Tony Storm is probably going to be killed. That is being overly negative, though, because this was a very fun tag match. But eventually, the likes of Tony Storm and Shotzi do have to be beating the likes of Charlotte Flair and Sasha Banks because it would give them some edge. I don't mean Adam Copeland. I don't mean Edge is good. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Xavier Woods was then backstage, sat on a throne with Kofi Kingston as the rest of the SmackDown locker room went, oh, Xavier Woods, we love you so much. And this was a little bit like I'd smashed a bunch of drugs before watching SmackDown, but I just love the new day. And then the Usos arrived and they went, man, we should have a match later on, even though they're going to have a match at the day one pay-per-view. So I don't get it, but it does happen later. Natalia was also interviewed after this, and she was so mad that Zia Lee had beaten her up seven days ago. So I thought, well, I'm sure we'll see Zia Lee later. And we never heard from either of these two again. Right, problem time with Simon, because one of the problems with the Usos and the New Day fighting later on is that it just underlines that right now WWE doesn't have enough tag teams. So given that the next match was the Viking Raiders taking on Jinder Mahal and Shanky, I would feel like a right goober if I went, oh man, I didn't know you Because again, we need to start establishing more tag teams. And to be fair, it was perfectly fine for what it was. Like it was a little bit sluggish in the middle, but if you want to take Jinder and you want to take Shanky and you want to try and turn them into a proper team, then that's what you should do. And also, let's face it, at least Shanky made it to SmackDown. As we know, Veer cannot make his way to Raw. Also, on the other side, you have Eric and Ivar, who are a terrific tag team. And they looked absolutely great here. And they did get the win. And there was a lot of winking and a lot of nodding that maybe after the day one pay-per-view, they shall be put into the tag team title scene, which is exactly what we should be doing. So yes, they got the victory after Ivar hit this big slash onto Shanky. So I am going to give it an up. Now, is it a very weak up? It is, but that's better than a down. I mean, that is the entire concept of the show. Paul Heyman was then still backstage waiting for Roman Reigns, and we were told he'd been waiting there all day. I was like, Paul, I watched Pop Never Balls or whatever the hell it is, go and do something else. When somebody did pull up in a car, Paul Heyman was like, oh, I'm so excited. And it was Brock Lesnar, and he was like, oh, hey, buddy, how's it going? He is the best. My boys, Happy Corbin and Mad Cat Moss were then out, and I want to make it very clear that I enjoy these two immensely. I think they're great, but this wasn't it. Down. The problem is now, the beef between these two and Drew McIntyre is that they stole a desk or a table with a sword in it. So I'm sat here going, right, I have to try and care about this. Let me just process some things. Bloop, 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 bloop. No, I don't care. And look, they are an absolute riot, and I enjoy how much they tie into the silliness, especially when Madcap Moss ignored a certain chant in Chicago and was all like, they're saying, we want love, we want love, which was absolutely ridiculous. And then when they tried to pull the sword out of the desk table thing, they weren't able to do it. So I suppose we're riffing on like Thor's hammer or the sword in the stone. 
I mean, why the hell not? Drew McIntyre then arrived and insinuated this was the equivalent of not being able to get an erection. Now, he didn't say that directly, but let's not pretend otherwise. And then he easily took the sword out of the wood. And I swear, he was acting like he was just going to chop these two to pieces. And can you imagine? Can you imagine you turned on SmackDown and there's just a human being in like a thousand bits? You'd be like, yeah, I don't. I don't want to watch this no more. But you can see the issue here. Like last week, they took the sword. And now this week, Drew McIntyre has the sword back. So there's no story. There's no much of anything. And if I'd have to guess, Jeff Hardy obviously was meant to be more involved with this. But he got fired from the company. So now we're just trying to fix it as best as we possibly can. Sami Zayn was then on SmackDown, and in many ways, he has to be considered one of the MVPs. He is now magically out of his neck brace and wheelchair, so Sonya Deville and Adam Pearce were like, well, what happened, Sammy? And he said, oh, well, my lawyer said we didn't need to bother anymore. They then looked at him and he went, did I say lawyer? I meant doctor. He is the best. Sadly, it does look like we're taking him out of the main title picture for now because he was like, man, a year ago, I never got my intercontinental title rematch. Can you sort this out? So Sonya and Adam thought about it and they went, yes, yes, we can. And on next week's episode of SmackDown, there will be a 12-man gauntlet and the winner shall be the number one contender. And given that our current IC champion is Shinsuke Nakamura and Shinsuke Nakamura and Sami Zayn had that amazing fight in NXT years ago, this better be what happens, WWE. Otherwise, I'm going to write a nasty tweet. Ridge Holland was then also on SmackDown. And thank goodness for that, because I had the fear. He was taking on Cesaro. And the problems were, it only went three minutes. And as he was taking on the Superman, of course, Cesaro lost because he always loses. You always had Sheamus on the outside going, oh, distraction, fella, distraction. It just felt very WWE. That's exactly what happened, though. When Cesaro was on the outside, Shane was like, oh, I don't like you anymore. So when he got back in the ring, Ridge Holland hit a power slam, and he got the one, two, three. And I think the main takeaway is at least the new guy didn't lose. You can go back through a lot of call-ups, and they all lose. So I'm going to give it an up. But once more, it's a very weak up. What we do know for sure is that the distraction board has to come into play, and it rolls up to 125. So if you would like to share this with anyone who says that WWE don't do that many distractions, well, you should, because the evidence is right there. For some reason, Drew McIntyre was then shown looking for Mad Cat Moss and Baron Corbin, even though he'd already wrecked them. So maybe he actually did want to stab him with his giant sword, which is not a euphemism. And later on, too, you did see Corbin and Moss, like, hiding in a closet with the lights off. This is why I like them. They do entertain me. Smackdown then became difficult to review again because Naomi was out here and she was like, oh man, it's Christmas and all I want for Christmas is a match with Sonya Deville. And I looked in the rules. I was like, Naomi, Santa Claus can't bring you that. It doesn't really make any sense. Obviously, Deville eventually came out and she was like, nah, bruh, I ain't going to give you that as a present. But what I am going to do is put you in a match with Shayna Baszler. And like she had just teleported in from the Star Trek Enterprise, Shayna was there and she started to beat Naomi up. Sonya then must have seen the pre previous bout because she was just going distraction distraction and using all of her MP but of course what happened is Naomi used most devastating women all of sports entertainment and she got the win and honestly this must have gone around about 32 seconds so I do appreciate the fact that this storyline is going quite long but this just suffered from where it was placed because we'd already seen distractions and we'd already seen surprise roll-ups so when you get it again it's just like man we can do anything in wrestling the choice is infinite but you decide to always fall back into one of these two categories. 
So that's why it does have to get it down. And when we get to the day one pay-per-view, we better get Sonya versus Naomi, and I swear to everything, Naomi better win. We then did get it confirmed that it's gonna be Mad Cat Moss versus Drew McIntyre at the day one pay-per-view. And then, yes, it was the New Day versus the Usos. And you really do just have to give it up. Now, admittedly, I do feel like I've seen this 67,890 times. And I know I sound so boring, but it's true. They're too talented and they're too good at tag team wrestling. Like, did I sit there and go, well, I'm not enjoying this? No, I did not. They always reel me in. It did suffer a little bit because, you know, in two weeks, we're going to see it again. Although then it will be for the tag team championships. So here to spice it up a bit, we did have a bit of a story, which was the referee who kept missing tags. This stuff at a first for Kofi Kingston because the ref was like, ha you're not allowed to get in there. And Jey Uso was like, ha I've done it. This was my plan. But later on, Jey Uso did the blind tag. He was gonna go for his splash. The official said, no, you get off those ropes. Xavier pushed him, which allowed Kofi Kingston to trouble in paradise Jimmy right in the face. And he got the victory. And we learned two things from this. Kofi Kingston is very good at facial expressions because when he was doing the pin, he was basically going, and it was really funny. And also at the pay-per-view, the New Day will now lose because WWE loves 50-50 booking. It was at this juncture that Roman Reigns finally decided to arrive at SmackDown, that tardy mother Hubbard, and Paul Heyman was so excited and he went to open the door, but Roman got out the other side. That made me juggle. Paul was also trying to praise our tribal chief, like, oh, Roman, we love you. But he basically ignored him and headed straight to the ring. Ah. This all meant our main event segment was going to feature around the Universal Champion and his gaslighting goons. But seriously, given how pumped the crowd was for this and the performances by all involved, a massive round of applause. This rocked up. And it was all fun and games at first as Roman Reigns was like, man, I love my cousins, but when they lose, I get so mad. However, they are blood. But I tell you who's not. It's you, Paul Heyman, and you would piss me off. Roman then went through all the beats like, did you know about SummerSlam? Did you know about Madison Square Garden? Did you know about the suspension? And the entire time, Paul Heyman's facial expressions were just brilliant. I mean, I actually thought he was going to die. The absolute highlight is when Reigns turned to his wise man and said, tell me, Paul, why are you protecting Brock Lesnar from me? Without skipping a beat, Heyman got the microphone and said, I'm not... I'm protecting you from Brock Lesnar. And the reaction to this, it was marvelous. Reigns then hugged him, but he just knew deep down in a tum-tum this was the equivalent of a death cuddle because when he did separate himself from Paul Heyman, he ran at him, he hit the Superman punch, and this was on. He also teased that he was going to give a concerto to Paul Heyman. I was like, Roman Reigns, once again, this is way too much. But who came out to make the save? None other than farm boy Brock Lesnar. He got this incredible reaction and he absolutely destroyed the Usos. I mean, it was like he was taking candy for a baby. But honestly, he sold all of this like Jimmy and Jay had tried to give him a kiss. And even when he got in the ring and Roman started battering with a chair, he was like, man, that ain't nothing for me. And he put the universe champion on his shoulders and he wrecked him with an F5. I mean, honestly, this was like Brock Lesnar losing at Monopoly given the physical damage it did to him. And this is how SmackDown went off the air. But again, it was the crowd that made this. They treated Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar like they were super duper duper stars. And also, don't go around thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe the Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman relationship is over. Remember when we thought the same with The Rock and Vince McMahon back in the late 90s? I smell shenanigans here. 
damn right WWE, this was the correct button to push. So I believe there is more twists in this tale and this was such a good end to SmackDown. Like it felt like a really big storyline, which is a good time to peak as the pay-per-view is just around the corner. So overall, it is going to get an up. And also, fair play, Chicago crowd. You made it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.